the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 412. I'm Paul Spain and with me today we have... Bill Bennett. And coming in from Wellington... We have Matt, Matt Reading. Matt Reading, welcome along. Thank you for uh, for joining us. You're welcome. Now it's uh, it's nice to um, try something a little bit different. And uh, anyone who's uh, who's jumped on the Facebook uh, live stream will see we're uh, we're doing things a little bit differently today. This is the first time we've had a uh, uh, a remote uh, participant uh, join on the live stream, but uh, there we are. That seems to be uh, to be up and running. Well, let's uh, let's jump in. We've got lots to uh, talk about today. A uh, lot going on in the world of uh, of streaming. So we're going to talk about uh, TVNZ. We may fit in a little mention of um, Sky, uh, Apple, and their streaming service. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, Flick Electric and. Uh, What's happening in their world? Uh, IBM acquiring uh, Red Hat, drones, telecommunications, levies, make a fair event coming up in Wellington this weekend, uh, and we're going to hear from uh, from Matt there around uh, what he's been up to, what he's been uh, making, uh, something uh, pretty cool from uh, Star Wars, uh, amongst other things, and. Uh, We'll, we'll chat about uh, some phones. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's jump straight in. So um, first up, there's been um, a bit a bit of information sort of com- coming through in, uh, in news reports uh, over, the, over the last few days um, based on information out of, uh, out of TVNZ about what things you know possibly could look like there uh, from a streaming perspective next year. Now, I, I guess sort of looking back, hmm, a year or two, we started discussing this idea that, of how, um, what, why aren't our traditional uh, broadcasters, who are generally ad-supported, uh, also offering a uh, non-ad-supported sort of variant of their service? Because once you get used to Netflix and uh, Hulu and Amazon uh, or Hulu Plus and, and Amazon type services with no ads, uh, it's kind of hard to uh, hard to go back to uh, something which constantly interrupts you with uh, with advertising. And uh, certainly, the, the suggestions are that that could be uh, that could be what we might uh, see next year. Bill, what are your thoughts on uh, on this? This make a lot of sense. Yeah, look, I think one of the things that may have may have come before this is that earlier in the year TVNZ did that deal with Spark over the Rugby World Cup rights mm. and I believe that TVNZ is somehow involved with Spark with the other sporting rights that Spark's winning at the moment it seems to be winning all the important stuff that, that comes up for renewal um, Premier League soccer um, Formula One and I think Spark's got the rights to the America's Cup as well um, I spoke to Jeff Latch not so long ago, who's the head of sport at Spark, and he said that there's, there's, there's more coming as well as that so far. The partnership with TVNZ is important for Spark for two reasons. One is because Spark won't have its app out until sometime early in the new year, and they've got some, they've got some rights which might need to be used before that Prior. starts. Yeah. So TVNZ will get to show them. Also, when, it, when we get around to the Rugby World Cup, the fibre network reaches 
Well, by the time the Rugby World Cup comes along, it will reach more than 80% of the population. But it won't reach into some of the places which are the rugby heartland. So to get the to get those places being able to watch the games, they're going to have to broadcast it on something like TVNZ. That partnership with TVNZ and Spark has probably got TVNZ looking again at the model. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if there's some sharing of expertise going on that we're not being told about publicly. But there's a you know when they sit around discussing how they're going to do these things, there probably is a little bit of sharing of expertise going on there. So I think that's part do, of what's... Do these two companies need to merge, Bill? Well, wouldn't I? That would be. <laughs> I think that wouldn't be a bad idea. But you know, you know what happened with um, Vodafone, Vodafone, and uh, Sky. And Sky yeah. yeah. The um, the other thing about this is that we now hit the critical mass where enough people have good enough broadband for it to be something which doesn't exclude, you know, a large slice of the population. Um, but when I, that eighty uh, percent threshold. Is we're, we're quite close to that, and um, that's enough. That's in, that's enough of the population to make it worthwhile a, a state broadcaster. Well, our, our, having just come back from uh, a few days in in Australia, uh, Melbourne specifically, and um, I was uh, speaking at, a, at an IT industry uh, conference there. It was pretty astounding. Some of the things I heard about their uh, their broadband or lack and, of. <laughs> and 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 lack of as uh, uh, as, as I shared online. Um, yeah, I think you know. Although there, there are people very you know very concerned about you know sport that will only you know possibly uh, only be able to be accessible uh, via uh, online streaming. Our our you know lower quality internet in in most cases is uh, is pretty reasonable. Now we do we do yeah. have some some exceptions to the rule. But, and they had a major uh, stuff up with the World Cup as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, um, some yeah some good examples coming out of Australia of, of what not to do. They've they've got plenty of good uh, good smart people doing good stuff, but uh, yeah, their broadband infrastructure is quite different to uh, to what what we've got. Matthew, what's uh, what's your co- connectivity like there in uh, in Wellington? Are you in in an area that gets access to some uh, pretty high high speed connections, or you want to? Yeah, uh, yeah. We um, we were. A- the suburb I live in is a pretty early adopter for the fibre network, and uh, I got onto that bandwagon as quickly as I could. Excellent. So, what are what are your uh, you know thoughts on the idea of of paying uh, our public broadcaster to access their uh, their content? Would that be uh, you know worth it for uh, for you to make the ads go away? Yeah, I th- I got a. A different perspective on it, I think. Uh, as a parent of two young kids, I sort of shy away from letting them watch the TV normally because of the constant bombardment that they have with the ads. Um, when I found my um, four-year-old sort of singing the jingles that come along with some of the um, <laughs> the, the junk toys that are oh no, uh, I sort of shied away from <laughs> from that and just. And I'm also a Formula One fan as well and find it quite frustrating with the Sky Sports packages that you can only buy them as a huge bulk option, um, which is a lot of money, when really I only want to watch specific things, i.e. the F1. Yeah, well, with me, it's Premier League. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, now we've got uh, Sky who... um, Announced that one another uh, another little you know court case as well. It's 
the Cody box. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, well, before we get on to that, can I just pose a question to you guys? How much would you pay for TVNZ streaming? You pay 15 bucks for Netflix. Is TVNZ worth as much as Netflix? Probably not. Difficult no. To say without but, knowing what the content's going to be, I suppose. But they won't have the scale. I mean, Netflix has got global scale, so they can bring the cost down that way. And you will have things like local news and local coverage. So you you expect to pay a little more because it's local. But, but what would be the price which that would come in at? They'd have to have a, a, a pretty good offering, and, and this is where them coming together with Spark would yeah. would, would potentially uh, make some sense, right? Or you know, if you were using, say, the light the Lightbox app, and you could pay an extra, you know, and I'll just pull a number out of the air, an extra three dollars or an extra six dollars, or you know, I don't know, I, I can't imagine it being too much, but if you could just add that onto something, you know, something else, well, and, and I, I mean, yeah, I guess those numbers are probably a bit low when you look at all of the, you know, the the breadth of the content that they have. It depends on you know what they're able to push through because they'll need to maybe adjust their licensing uh, agreements and if it, and if to start with it's just the content they own entirely like yeah. news and so on you wouldn't pay much and you know I've got to admit realistically do I do I watch uh, TVNZ and TV3 content much at the moment um no, no. So you know, the, I you know maybe they're they're deciding on people that haven't yet moved, or they're going to have to make it very easy and very accessible well, for those who just don't actually watch content from broadcast stations. This, this you know, is the as, kind as of, a general rule. Uh, this is the kind of thing that always goes through my head when I hear these stories. And I was thinking, right, you're a New Zealand broadcaster, so your maximum size of your market is not going to be that huge. You're only going to you're you're going to sell you know, a few hundred thousand subscriptions. Netflix has 65 million, I think was the last count I saw. 65 million times $15 is a lot of money, right? A couple of hundred thousand times $10, you know, you're not talking about enough money to pay for all the rights and the production and so on. Well, you look at their, what they bring in on advertising per head, and I'm not sure I've got the, the, the yeah. numbers here, uh, but it's quite a significant amount when you yeah. when you count that up uh, per person. Well, so that's if, what I'm if, if they're going to directly replace that, uh, then it need then it would need to be uh, it would need to be reasonably high. Yeah. But on the on the flip side, the other option is, and this is a little bit of you know Ben Sky's dilemma. Um, you know, do they you know disrupt themselves uh, with with something that's lower cost? Because if they expect to get the same sort of uh, you know revenue that they've had yep. in previous years, well, that's not going to be realistic in in ten years' time, unless they 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 do some things that uh, are you know are really different, and they can't yep. do exactly the same as what they've been doing and expect to get the same. Well, I, I've spent all my adult life working in the media, right? And I can tell you, there's there's so two two ways you can make money out of media in 2018. One is bundling, and the other one is unbundling. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it sounds contradictory, but that's the way. You, that's how you do it. You know, uh, bundling or unbundling. And um, if you like, Sparks doing the unbundling with unbundling sports that were bundled by Sky, mm. and Netflix doing it by bundling by bundling just about every conceivable piece of um, television that's not sport and um, um, I, I'm just really interested to see how they do that and where they go on pricing well 
I hope they get it right because I, you know, I, I much prefer that we have some, uh, you know, good, strong, uh, you know, local entities. Whether it's you know TVNZ, government owned, Spark, um, you know, MediaWorks. Sky, um, you know, being successful in this space, yeah. and, so uh, well, and, yeah. and 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 yeah, yeah um, you know, taking a reasonable sort of you know uh, a relevant chunk of the market. I don't want it all just to be handed over to the uh, the global you know no. conglomerates. You know, re- regardless of whether I've you know might uh, sometimes have a few shares in these companies. I actually I would like our uh, our, our local entities to be doing well. well I, I reckon that TVN said. The smart thing is that it's the first mover, and the first mover can can win these markets. This kind of thing, so that's that's good. But the price is critical. But the, I, you know, I would argue they should have done this sort of thing years ago, and now they're they're, yeah, they're, they're we well behind have, the eight ball. We weren't we weren't ready for. It. I mean, you and I might be ready. You know, you, I, and Matthew, and people listening to the New Zealand Tech Podcast would be ready for it. But you know, those grannies in Onahunga and Ektakahuna and the middle of nowhere um they probably not they probably weren't ready for their favorite shows the shortland street and so on to be streamed at this state but they are now yeah now we have fiber network so Hmm. i think now's the right time all right so uh sky they've um yeah they've they've announced another win there and I guess my feeling on this in the past is, well, the, the, the more noise they make and the more they go to court to try and shut things down, uh, you know, potentially the more oxygen it gives to the ideas of, um, of trying to avoid paying Sky and having a, a pirated content. But, um, you know, I guess they're, they're still, uh, you know, sticking to their guns and uh, you know maybe um, you know with with these uh, results, it's uh, it's working out alright for them. What do you think, Bill? Um, I think it's one thing to go after someone who's you know if we're if we're very guarded in our language, it's a bit dodgy. Yeah, who's yeah. flogging this for money? Yeah, it's another thing to go after kids who are sitting in their you know their their um, bedrooms in Miramar or whatever downloading stuff. I think that's you know is this is. There's two levels of this, and it's like it's like you know, say something like drugs. You go for the dealers, you don't go for the users. And I think, and I think it's perfectly legitimate to go for the people that are dealing in pirate, pirated goods, um, just the same as you'd go around a Tara market and look for pirated DVDs or whatever. It's it's that kind of operation, as far as I'm concerned. Earlier today, I, I was I was tweeting about this being. A good move and a smart move on Sky's part. You know, they they, and, and I think I, although I'm sympathetic to people wanting to get hold of content that they can't afford, or they can't, they just simply cannot get. I mean, try getting hold of someone if your team plays in the Europa Cup. You can't legitimately get those games in mm, New Zealand. Mm. Your only route is to go it is to go through something illegal. And, when I um, looked at that illegal world for downloading those games, you've got to give your credit card number over to people in Romania. Well, you know, <laughs> who who's going to do that? Mm, well, mm. there will be some, but you know, who's sensible is going to do that? Yeah. Um, so, so whilst then we need to work on making sure that those kinds of anomalies don't happen, closing this one down is a good one. But anyway, well, as I was saying, some people are saying that the Cody box, which was actually at the heart of this case. Um, 
Yeah, the, this one they're referring to is uh, well, the the company is my box, but it, yeah. it basically runs the Cody box, yeah. uh, you know, uh, software, uh, doesn't it? And people say it's a legitimate set top box. Well, it is, but the people that were selling it were were modding it. I think, or they, if they even modding, well, it, they're, they're they're installing the bits and pieces yeah. so that you can consume Sky's content, yeah. and then you know they're, they're, and, they're, 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 and then they went as far as to say, hey, you can use us to get all of this. Well, content well I was going to say, I, that, I that's actually, copyright that you should normally pay for. I, well, yeah, because and, and I think they even referenced Sky, so you, yeah. you can you can understand. Absolutely, why well, Sky, Sky's gone after them, and uh, you know, once, once you read this through, it. Um, well, I was going to say, Paul, I, I actually got their spam email a couple of times. Oh, really? Like, and it says you can get all of Sky without paying. Right, that's actually what it said in the email that they sent me trying to sell me one of these boxes. So it's it's a, it's an open and shut case. They're mm, crooks, mm. you know. Now we well yeah yeah. Now we we do have some other other views on this and. Um, we, I mean, we, we don't usually have um, have people on on the show from uh, you know that aren't here in the studio. But um, Matthew is today, and we've we've got another uh, listener who's based in uh, Wellington who's wanting who's been asking to uh, uh, to weigh in and share some of his opinions on Sky. So um, uh, I will get back to uh, Robert, and we'll see if we can uh, we can set that up because I'd I'd kind of like to like to get some other uh, other perspectives on that that uh, that side. Um, but Matthew, you got any uh, any any thoughts on uh, on the way Sky's operating here? Yeah, it's a it's a difficult problem. I think it's one that'll never go away. Um, I think it was a bit of a slam dunk with the um, this particular set top box, given the advertising material that you guys have uh, have already referenced. Uh, it felt like that was um, pretty easy for Sky to. To, to win that case I think it would be a lot harder to go after the sort of decentralized um, you know torrenting and yeah. uh, that sort of stuff um, where there isn't necessarily a, a dealer um, that they can go after so to speak uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that in, in that arena but I mean torrenting's been around a long time and it's uh, not going to go anywhere is it to do anything with it yet yeah yeah all right, and um, now on to uh, on to Apple, and you know, of course, they're uh, uh, famously secretive on, um, you know, as, as you can uh, as you can expect uh, around what their what their future plans are. But uh, you know, what we're hearing is that uh, um, next year they will be launching uh, their streaming service. A uh, hundred plus countries, so they must be working uh, incredibly hard in terms of uh, tying down, you know, so, you know, global type agreements for access to content. And the suggestion is, is that this content will be uh, free to those that are using um, Apple devices. So, you know, if you've got an Apple TV, iPhone, iPad, uh, you know. This gives you an extra reason to want to want to, you know, use one of those if it comes with a, a completely uh, free streaming service. And I thought there's a question mark over Apple TV, though, isn't it? I think the Macs and the iPads and 
for phones. Right, because they're they're high yeah. high high value devices yeah. and you can see how that work out. Well, I mean if it only costs Apple a billion dollars to do this and uh, you know only a billion, yeah. I've <laughs> got to say that because they're a they're a trillion dollar uh, oh, yeah, a billion uh, here, a billion there. business. Pretty right? soon you're talking about real money. <laughs> <laughs> but for, for for Apple this is uh, this is chump change for them. Um, so uh, you know why why not if it's gonna um, help help them hold on to uh, hold on to their customers and you know what what they want is that people are staying in their in their ecosystem and if this is just another reason and especially if they can pull in some unique content that you can't get anywhere else and of course you know every everyone listening is is you know I'm sure saying uh well, you can always get it somewhere else, Paul, um, and and you know that that's the nature of technology, um, whether whether it's uh, whether it's legal or not. But you know the the simplicity of them having uh, you know having a, a streaming service that just uh, you know comes with your Apple devices seems uh, you know like a pretty smart move from. Uh, from from my perspective, so um, probably probably things. upset a few people if they've got some really good exclusive content that you can only get with an Apple device. Well, the word is it's going to be family friendly as well, so it's not going to be, you know, I spit on your grave or driller killer or anything like that. It's going to be stuff that you can watch with the kids, right? Um, apparently, that's very much the company's culture, and I, I I think that's great. I think to go for that that family audience makes a lot of sense don't forget that apple's history with pixar as well so um you know they that's the space they know mm. as a mm. as an organization um uh, yeah look i think it's good i think the problem that i can see with it is if you're going to take that strategy where you're um you're going to in effect give this away with apple kit um, which is what they do with a lot of other things um the problem is, I think the content might be quite thin. There might not be that much there. Um, you need to spend a huge amount of money to get a, a big content library. And um, a billion dollars sounds a lot, but I don't think that buys that much global content. Um, I mean, to put it in perspective, sporting codes go for, go for over a billion dollars. So you might say your billion dollars might just about buy you every tennis game, you know. You know what I mean. Mm, it's, mm, mm. So it's not. It, it, it's it's quite possible that the Apple um, library might be good, but it might only be you know a few hundred titles deep. Um, I'm speculating, of course. Yeah. No. I mean, it's, it's it's a fair it's a fair point, and you know we hear about the the sort of dollars that. Uh, Netflix, being for instance, and uh, you know they're, they're obviously in a in that similar boat. That they're t- you know tending to um, uh, want want to get a um, global type licensing deals, not just you know yeah. one region or or another. But the, uh, and the other thing is is that um, you're quite right that to Apple it's not big it's not big money, and it does tie in does tie people into the Apple world. Um, but there's always going to be a lot of people who don't want to enter the Apple world. They don't like walled gardens, or you know, no matter how comfortable they are. And and look, may, maybe they'll offer a, um, a a paid subscription for people on like on iTunes, other other yeah. platforms, right? Yeah. So uh, you know, you get you get you get it for free if you're in the ecosystem. If if not, uh, 
they will license it in uh, in some form. You can still get iTunes on your Microsoft Zune. <laughs> I don't even get anything on a Microsoft no, Zune, no, Bill. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it one's uh, a bit a bit um, dead and yeah. buried. Now, um, a few more things to get. Well, a lot to get through. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep moving on. Oh, Matthew, did you have any um, any any thoughts on uh, on that? Are you a, an Apple user at all, or are you all um, sort of you know Windows and Android? Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm not an Apple user at all, but I can see what they're doing. I think they're just trying to make their customers a bit stickier. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of brand loyalty with, with Apple, and I think anything that they, they're doing is, is they've firmly got one eye on their core business, which is selling the devices. So uh, that, that's how I see them mm-hmm. um, operating this, this new venture anyway. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, Flick Electric, now they, they've got a... Um you know, I guess a, a business model that's been enabled by uh, by technology, by uh, the smart meters that we now have, uh, you know, the smart power meters that we now have in our home. Um, and you know, of course, we've had them here on the New Zealand Tech Podcast in the in the past. And um, look, I've I've tried using their uh, their service. And you know when when you think about it, it's uh, well, what you know, what's different from one power retailer to to another, and it's certainly not the uh, not the power. You know, <laughs> what you actually get is the same. What's you know, what's what's different you is get, you get blue electrons <laughs> instead of red ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, is you know how, how it gets billed for, and um, you know their, their, their business model. And uh, look, you know, Flick have, um, uh, you know, for a period there had, you know, had a, had a lot of attention because, you know, they were highlighting, you know, look, you're uh, uh, you're getting the spot prices with just, uh, you know, their their, uh, um, their their small fees on on top, and uh, and that looked actually really really good. Uh, but when you move into a, a period like we've been in and. In recent weeks, where those spot prices are really uh, spiking, um, that's not really so nice. And uh, you know, I think over over the the, the last uh, um, you know few winters, there there have been uh, you know different situations come up where the uh, these these spot prices uh, have have spiked. And uh, and they spike when you need electricity the most. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a storm comes yeah. through, and you know maybe uh, yeah, there's there's a there's an unusual um, you know un, unusual um, you know outage, and then so that puts extra pressure um, you know on on the other uh, the other power generation facilities. Um, now there there's a case uh, that the Herald picked up of uh, you know someone who was you know basically. Re- Renting out property and building in the, the price of electricity with it, and uh, he was saying that the prices had uh, had had spiked uh, by about three times what his normal bill was. Now his was an exceptionally large large bill anyway. I think normally for, you know um, about five hundred um, you know dollar, dollars a week was his typical, and uh, uh, you know the Herald picked up that it had bumped up to uh, up to fifteen hundred. Uh, heard plenty of stories of of people, you know, getting a, a power bill for the week of, uh, you know, hundred, hundred and fifty dollars, uh, that sort of yeah, direction. But, okay, here's the thing about this, right? First of all, over the course of a year, it would probably work out cheaper. It's just that it happens to spike, right? Second thing is, 
is you're gambling, right? It's a form of gambling. It's the same as buying energy futures or, you know, or whatever. And, and um, you just know that when you're gambling, occasionally you're going to lose. You know, it doesn't, it. Yeah. it doesn't always, the wheel doesn't always spin to red every time. You know, so so I don't have any sympathy for people who complain about it. It's the deal. That's what you're buying into. Whether or not you should be buying that is another another thing entirely. Well, I think they've they've done um, you know they've done a, a how would you put it that you know they they've basically said um, you know look you know we expect you to get lower price power which yeah. is sort of what probably just about every every other uh, retailer does and I think within uh, if you're within your first year of signing up to them certainly in the past uh, you know they've had something where they've um, and hopefully I'm not getting mixed up with other other power suppliers because um, there are you know there are a number of companies now obviously that use smart meters and and, and um, you know have done some interesting uh, things on well, on the power retailing front but I you know if I recall Call correctly, uh, you know they they were you know offering to sort of you know guarantee that you would get uh, get a lower price in your first year. Now, if you've been with them a number of years, I guess you know that that goes well, out the window. But um, as as you say, there's uh, there's an element of, of risk to this, if, right? You if know, say, say say you pay fifty bucks a week less than you'd pay with Genesis, right? What you should then be doing is putting that fifty bucks in the bank. For the day that the bill comes in at 150 or whatever, you know, we're not all as organised as no, you, Bill, and, and 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 not only we're not all <laughs> as organised. You've got to have, you know, you've got to be liquid with cash, which, exactly, which no one or very few people actually are. But the point is, is it's what you're buying. You know, that's exactly what you've bought. It's not if you don't like it, go back to Genesis, mm. you know, go back mm. to Meridian or whoever. It's, yeah, look, I you know I think it's uh, you know it it is interesting. This is just the the reality, and um, I, you know I think sometimes, but sometimes it's good to actually you know see get that little bit of a reality check because these things yeah. are sold as being so revolutionary. But you know realistically, I think it can, you know uh, those, those that operate on the the, the you know selling um, you know the spot market pricing is about one in one in a hundred uh, consumers. In yeah, well, or, I, look, you know, I don't or, the thing is it's not as if Flick doesn't make that clear. It's not like I mean there are other things going on at electricity business. You know, you could be at home having your dinner and someone knocks on the door and says, "We can get you cheaper electricity than you're currently paying with your existing provider," and you can. But it turns out that you only get that for six months, and then the price goes up. Mm. You know, there's all kinds of other things going on in that in that mm. space. Mm. Mm. Um, I think that Flick's advertising, their marketing, makes it perfectly clear what you're in for. Um, the problem is, is people think, "Well, it won't happen to me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like self-insuring, isn't it? Well, it's yeah, it's, it's like it, was, it is. It's exactly. It's like backwards insurance. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Do you use a lot of power uh, there in Wellington, Matthew? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we we're with one of the um, companies that has um, a, a, a strange sort of setup where you can choose an hour during the day, which um, you get your elect- electricity free for that hour. Yes. So um, you know, it's another one of those, those sort of disruptive product that suits us fine because we're willing to take the time to do the admin that's required and be organized around that to, to get the benefits from it but yeah i think if you're the sort of person that needs a regular electricity bill and you know um that perhaps flick wasn't the right move 
Yeah. Or buy a Tesla battery and stick it on the wall, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're still going to need to charge it at, uh, at some point, so yeah, it, and it depends how, how, how long the issues last for. still a lot of money, aren't they? Yeah. 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 yeah, and there's probably easier ways to save power as well than messing around with your electricity company. I mean, there's plenty of other things that you can do to save power at the other end, the yeah. consumer end. Mm, mm. Uh, now, a few other uh, news topics. Um, we, we talked DJI drones uh, last week, and uh, since then, a, a variation of the uh, the Mavic 2 that we talked about has been lo- launched uh, or announced called the uh, Mavic 2 Enterprise. And this is designed with some, uh, you know, some some flexibility. So you're not just using uh, a fixed standard product uh, out of out of the box. And so, um, you know, the the idea of uh, being able to attach some sort of spotlights to it, or you know, other other things. Um, I think they've got a 2400 lumen spotlight, a 100 decibel speaker, uh, flashing strobe. I'm not quite sure. Um, you know. It, it Exactly what what case you take that into the, the strobe maybe for a you know oh, a yeah. drone flying around at a disco like yeah I was like techno music <laughs> yeah. <here>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I like this idea that um, you know DJI are taking a, a a product that's you know I guess a sort of a high end consumer or you know prosumer type uh, type product. And now starting to make it available for you know a whole uh, plethora of of potential sort of business uses um, because you know the drones themselves we've you know if you want something for a particular sort of industrial use usually you've got to go out and buy you know a very specific uh, model and it becomes very expensive uh, this this potentially uh, you know allows those. Uh, um, situations to be addressed with a you know a, a fairly standard uh, standard product. A, f- so. a floodlight drone would be terrific if in an uh, um, an emergency if you're rescuing people, mm. you know, earthquake mm. or something. Well, you drop one, you drop one out of a you know a helicopter or something, and you know fly it down closer to if there's somebody stuck on a cliff or yeah. you know whatnot. I mean, I guess they they probably got pretty good spotlights on board, but there might be some scenarios where where these things can uh, uh, can get in and do other things, well, the or, or maybe have, the situation you don't have a helicopter around yeah. and you've got to try and find someone that's stuck on a cliff might be a better use case. The only problem is you don't have many minutes in the air with most of these drones yeah a bit more with these uh with these newer um the the newer mavic uh two i think around ha- half an hour yeah. so you know that's uh, that's that's slowly uh well, slowly, to get slowly heading in the right direction building or something yeah um yeah so um so that was uh it was an interesting to uh, to hear now uh bill i thought you might want to weigh in on um ibm acquiring uh red hat in a you know, just a, a little small deal that, uh, uh, that that's gone down this week. Was it thirty four yes. uh, billion dollars? That that actually is yeah. a little bit more than chump yeah. change. Yeah, well, two of um, them, and you're spending money, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's the third biggest tech deal uh, merger and acquisition deal in history. So it tells you. Um, probably and U- U.S. history was what I read. Is there, were there any bigger ones outside of the U.S.? I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. Can't think as well. But maybe that was just the American reporting. Perhaps they put that next to everything to cover them because they don't look anywhere else, do yeah, they? Yeah, well, maybe SoftBank would have been involved in things that bigger, mm, but otherwise mm, I, don't, mm. I doubt it. Um, Red Hat, for most people listening will know that Red Hat is, is the Linux brand, but it's actually what Red Hat really is. It's the company that's learned how to make money out of open source. 
I think that's the thing that you need. I think that's the thing that you need to sort of recognize that's going on here. Mm. IBM does make money from open source, and actually, IBM has been an enthusiastic supporter of open source pretty much since the collapse of its mainframe business. 25 years ago mm, it's been mm. very heavily involved in open source i'm I, I hesitate to say that i'm optimistic about this deal because big big tech deals have a history of being you know not um, worth it yeah yeah however absolutely. having said that right ibm has tried the cloud and it hasn't failed but it hasn't succeeded i mean it's miles behind um, it's miles behind Amazon and Microsoft. It doesn't sort of. It doesn't even register in small change as far as they're concerned in cloud. I think it's probably behind Google these days in in cloud um, provision as well. Yeah, I've seen some varying numbers, and it's. Uh, I guess people may be measuring these things a little bit. A little well, bit public cloud and private yeah. cloud, and I think IBM is quite big in private cloud. Uh, whether private cloud's a real thing or not is another is a whole debate. <laughs> but anyway. Um, um, it's so it hasn't really succeeded as well as it might have done in cloud. Red Hat will probably could could probably change that. Um, the other thing is, is is there's some similarity here with the deal with Microsoft and GitHub as well, in, in that it's a way of buying open source credibility and buying into that mm, that mm. whole um, area. But the the real thing is, I was looking back. I had some notes from a while ago. The last time I wrote a story about IBM. I was told that they had, I forget the exact number, but say it was five pillars, and cloud was one of them, and security was another, AI was another, analytics, and I'm missing one, but there's, a, there's another um, you know, pillar that um, mm. IBM was basing mm. its business mm. on. And none of, those, none of those investments or pillars really fired in the way IBM thought. I mean, you hear a lot about IBM and AI, but it's a long way from being yeah, a you, money. Yeah, a lot of demos around Watson and yeah. so on. But in terms of actually making seeing money. seeing that generating the, the you know yeah. uh, a lot for them, it doesn't seem to be as as evident as uh, so, uh, you might expect. They'd be they in terms of where they might be now. So yeah. now my guess is, and um, it's it's early to say this is that IBM will move a lot of the smart people from Red Hat into the top level at IBM, and they will. Red Hatify, if you if that is a word, <laughs> the organisation, um, and really because IBM is the very epitome. I mean, even though IBM has attempted to modernise, you've got to remember this is a hundred years old, and it was an industrial era company, and it was run like a Ford or a General Motors, you know those kinds of things, and it's still very old fashioned and fuddy for all its you know, talk about mm, modernization mm, and so mm. on. It's still bureaucratic and top-heavy and yeah. hierarchical and so on. I think that that needs to go. Really, um, if if IBM get this right, it will look an awful lot more like Red Hat, an awful lot less like um, IBM. So instead of being big blue, it'll be big red. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm certainly hopeful that, you know, good things uh, come, out of, come out of this. And, uh, um, you know, I think many, many businesses are, uh, um, you know, are, are very reliant on, uh, on, on Red Hat. And uh, look, it would be, uh, it'd be a real shambles and a, and a real, uh, uh, you know, problem for, um, 
for the Linux world, especially if uh, if they made a, a mess of this. Although there's there's plenty of other uh, flavors to uh, well, to, to well, choose from. Well, hang on, a minute, <laughs> hang on a minute, right? It's not as though Oracle's buying Red Hat, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, and you know what's happened with Oracle's bought Linux in the past. It hasn't gone well. Um, I, I think that I think that from that side of things, it'll be fine. I mean, there will be people who will bail out of Red Hat purely because it's been bought by IBM. Mm. I mean, I, I, oh, I, that, that always happens. To I wouldn't a, wonder to if, a degree, right? There, are, there are people that will, yeah. you know, just just like, just dislike the uh, the acquiring firm, you know, whoever, whoever yeah. it is. Well, it's, it's why they've got Red Hat and not IBM, you know. Yeah. Um, and and we've you know certainly you know seen seen that uh, you know recently with uh, Microsoft buying uh, uh, GitHub and there yeah. were, you know a whole a whole lot of uh, commentary around that from people that were you know immediately bailing out. Yeah, and it's not necessarily. I mean, I would. I would counsel against doing it immediately. But, you know, there's organizations here um, that are heavily into open source um, and quite heavily linked with um, with Red Hat. And it'd be interesting to see how those organizations move um, with this. Well, as you say, you know, people shouldn't be making an an immediate sort of knee-jerk type reaction, right? This is a sort of thing to... uh, um, you know, consider in long-term strategy, but uh, you know, I, I would imagine most people aren't going to be uh, making making immediate change. Any immediate changes. I, I was thinking about um, IBM not so long ago, and I and you know, as as you do in my my line of work, um, I was thinking, what's going to happen to them? Is the company just going to sort of slowly disappear and fade away, mm-hmm. or is it going to do one last huge, brave, bold? Um, roll of the dice which could save everything um, when I was a kid we used to play this game called Escape from Colditz and if you weren't winning you could just roll the dice six times and see if you could get out of that castle and it was literally a do or die effort right. this is it's that kind of thing it's like yeah. one last frantic roll of the dice yeah. which is a big game I think they've done the right <laughs> thing quite frankly yeah yeah all right. Well, we will uh, we will we'll certainly see see about that over uh, over time. Now, um, there's there's been some um, some interesting things sort of you know going on and t- um, in the tech world and the, and the stock market over um, you know over the last uh, few days. Um, I see. Um, I saw a report saying that uh, Microsoft have uh, have moved into the number two spot behind uh, Apple in terms of their uh, their market cap. And um, look, it's not very hard to um, to understand why that would happen because uh, Amazon, who hit a trillion dollars, uh, you know, not that far behind Apple, have lost twenty five percent of their um, uh, their. Uh, value in uh, you know just in the in, the, in a you know reasonably short space of uh, of time they're sitting down at a seven hundred and fifty a mere seven hundred and fifty billion dollar well now we're talking uh, about va- proper money va- yeah. valuation <laughs> so uh, um, yeah just just curious to watch what's going on and and look you know you look look across uh, you know most of these uh, you know big big tech firms and and a lot of uh, smaller ones. Uh, have have been hit as well, you know, including our uh, uh, our more uh, local ones, the the likes of Zero uh, uh, and and PushPay as well, uh, who are all trading at a, at a significant uh, significant um, 
discount to uh, to what they what they were. Well, know, um, some, some shares, time back. really. Possibly yeah. if if they if they've fallen uh, far far enough. But uh, you know, even when you look when you look at Amazon being uh, you know having lost quarter of their uh, their value, you know you you go back another twelve or eighteen months and they were they were half the price that they are now. So uh, you know it's um it's it's arguable what these companies are uh, are, yeah. are, are really worth. I I, I worry I. I there's two companies that I really worry about in the tech space um, on that ground, on that sort of level. Amazon's one of them. The other one is Facebook, right? Hmm. Facebook could literally die overnight. It well, could, I wouldn't be worried about that. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, that wouldn't be a bad thing. But, but what it might do to the uh, what it might do to the sector as a whole if that happened? Yes, but it could if, if it if it does one really stupid wrong move. It could literally, you know, billions of dollars could go overnight. Uh, Amazon is almost the opposite. Amazon is reaching the point where in Western economies, it's starting to get to the point where it's too big to fail. And that's not, you know, once you say that phrase, something's very wrong. Mm. And Mm. um, there there are so many companies downstream of Amazon that are dependent on Amazon already. And that's only going to become more so if it if it continues to grow. That um, you know, there's a vulnerability there that I'm just not comfortable with. I mean, you know, it's it's scary. I think I read somewhere not so long ago. In fact, I wrote this. I quoted an analyst saying that Amazon now accounts for I think it's half of all online e- retail e-commerce in the US yeah. in the US market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's 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 incredibly dominant. All right, we should uh, we should keep moving. Um, Matthew, make a fair in Wellington. This is uh, this is you know what you're uh, what you're going to be involved in this weekend. You're uh, um, tell us what you're doing there, and um, you know what's your take. Have you ever been to a make a fair event uh, anywhere before? These things have sort of happened all around the world. I've you know I've I guess first heard about them um, you know happening in New New York. What's uh, what? What can you tell us? Yeah, um, it's pretty exciting, actually. This is the first time that um, New Zealand's had a maker fair. The, the concept's been around for over a decade, um, but it's the first time it's being run in New Zealand, and it was being run in my uh, hometown here in Wellington. So um, I'm uh, running an exhibit. I'm one of a, a large number of makers that are attending. My exhibit will be around um, building robots. Star Wars robots. In fact. Fantastic! So, tell us what you've what you've built and what people will be able to see uh, this weekend. I'll be coming down on uh, on Sunday, so I'm looking forward to uh, having a look in in person. Um, and I imagine there'll be there'll be people coming from you know certainly further afield than uh, than Wellington. But what are you, what are you going to uh, be showing off? Well, um, I'm bringing along my uh, three Star Wars droids. I've got a, a BB-8. Um, unit that I'm bringing along and I've got uh, two mouse droids that will be coming along with me as well. My exhibit will be sort of based around um, how building things that look and sound complicated at first actually don't need to be um, complicated or or, or expensive either actually. Great. So 
how how did it come about that you've uh, you've built these? Um, you know, walk us through um, you know your 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 inspiration uh, for the BB-8 and uh, and you know what what it's looked like for you to build that. How long it's it's taken? How many tens of thousands of dollars have you thrown into uh, uh, building it? And I, and I and I and uh, you know I, I'm joking there because I know there's been uh, um, a bit of Kiwi ingenuity uh, involved there, even though you weren't born here, but uh, um, you. Certainly, certainly seem to have applied a, a, a fair dollop of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, he fits in. I've always been a film buff, so um, I've always enjoyed uh, sci-fi films in particular, and I don't know, what kid who's seen Star Wars hasn't thought about well, how cool it would be to own a, an R2-D2 or a C-3PO, and um, I think we're now at a stage um, with the accessibility of technology where you actually can. Um, you don't have to be involved in the film industry anymore. And so when I went and saw The Force Awakens, I saw BB-8 roll out on screen. I was like, I want one. Um, so I did some research and, and found it was possible, which was a good start. Um, and just kind of started from there, really. And and tell us um, how it actually sort of fits together. Because, you know, with the BB-8, you know, I'm always curious, like, you know, how does the... the I don't know what you call it, the head, the top bit, sort of stay on while the, the ball's, uh, you know, rolling around. And you seem to have, uh, uh, you know, nailed that without too much uh, drama. So what's the, uh, what, what's the um, you know, what's the secret? And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I hadn't really sort of thought through how it would, uh, how that would work. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, um, standing, standing on the shoulder of giants is probably the best phrase to use here. Um, I didn't invent the system that I have used. Um, uh, the BB-8 Builders Club. Which is which is a thing um, have been uh, running since since the droid first um, was teased in the in the trailers. Yes, and um, people have tried to um, work out how it could be done in real life because, of course, in the movie they didn't have a real one; they had puppets and some CGI, but mostly puppets. Uh, since then, Disney have created a real one, and they have also um, gracefully revealed how they did it. And it involves um, very strong magnets that hold the dome onto the body. And then inside the, the, the body itself is the main drive mechanism, which effectively hangs inside the, the sphere attached to either side with a large counterweight on the bottom that keeps the whole thing upright. And has, I think Disney's one has seven or eight motors that allow this complicated movement to happen. Mine's got six motors, um, which is enough. <laughs> And, uh, Where'd you get the motors, Matthew? Uh, well, most of them uh, from AliExpress, but a couple of them came from a scrapyard um, just over the hill here in the hut. Um, they came from a, a Mazda, um, a Mazda Demio, <laughs> a cranny car. Yeah. So what would they? Have, what would they've been doing inside a car? What would they use for? Oh, they're the electric window motors. They, um, I, cho- I just chose them because they come with a. A gearbox already attached that was, you know, roughly the right speed. They're 12 volts, which is sort of an easy voltage to work with. Uh, they're very powerful. Um, I don't know if you ever tried to stop an electric window yeah. going up, but you'd have a hard job doing it. Yeah. And they're extremely reliable. They're designed to last for, you know, 20 plus years. Fantastic, fantastic. So um, this journey, how long did it, did it take you to, uh, to build your BB-8? Uh, start to finish from, you know, uh, the... the very beginning of the project from when I first started making it, um, which started with a street lamp globe um, to the end when I had him rolling around on the living room floor and uh, was was just over a year. Um, and most of that actually was probably in the, the coding 
um, electronic side rather than the mechanical side. Um, I don't have a background at all in, in this sort of stuff, so that, it was a steep learning curve for me. Right, so, so you're not building a droid army underneath the hills there, are you? <laughs> Secret lair. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if an army of sort of wobbly, uh, um, cute-looking droids is going to achieve much, but no. <laughs> so, um, you know, have you have you had any, uh, uh, you know, uh, approaches from uh, from Miramar to um, you know jo- join the team and uh, and and be involved in any up- upcoming uh, movie productions? That'd be kind, <laughs> kind of yet. fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> Not yet, but if you know anyone, let me know, right? Yeah. Excellent, excellent. All right, so um, sun- Sunday is the day for, um, for Make a Fair, heading, uh, heading New Zealand. Um, what else do you know about, uh, about Make a Fair's sort of uh, Wellington uh, event? It's pretty much running all day Sunday, isn't it, from, um, from yeah. what I've seen? And the, uh, at the uh, TSB uh, Auditorium, which is uh, Shed 6, uh, down on uh, Queen's Wharf, and um, nine dollars for uh, adults and free for uh, children under under sixteen. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Start, uh, doors open at ten. Um, there's going to be a whole range of stuff there. It's not just um, sort of uh, electronics and 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a whole range of things there, right from, I mean, it's the whole maker movement, really, mm, right, mm. right through from, um, you know, fabrics and, and crochet all the way through to sort of engineering. So, you know, whatever takes your fancy, there's going to be something there for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's very, uh, you know, very, very pleasing that they've uh, they've decided to, uh, um, you know, Bring this to to New Zealand after hearing about uh, you know the the Maker Fair um, events elsewhere in the world. Yeah, I wish I knew. I would have I'd have been interested in going myself. Mm. Um, oh well, that's uh, that's very good. Now uh, before we before we wrap up, uh, there were there were a couple of uh, couple of phone things to talk about. One. Uh, where did I put it? Uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, so this one is the Sam- uh, goodness Samsung. Um, I don't don't actually have a Samsung in my hand at the moment. This is a, a an Oppo um, AX5, and um, I handed this to to Bill uh, earlier when he arrived actually, and asked him to guess uh, what it, what it would have been worth. And uh, basically, you know, holding holding a phone that you know stylistically. Uh, you know, carries a, a lot of the traits of um, uh, a lot of you know reasonably high end phones these days. Um, but uh, you know, I guess it's it's an example that uh, really our expectations have have gone up a a lot, haven't they, Bill? Over the last few years, I mean, phones are becoming um, you know very similar, and even the the lower cost uh, uh, phones are um, you know are, are getting uh, you know slicker and slicker. And when I look at the um, the AX5 from uh, from from Oppo uh, certainly you know carries a lot of uh, iPhone esque sort of traits to it, uh, which in some ways you should expect because their uh, their user interface is always very much sort of uh, uh, mimicked that of, of an iPhone. So you know somebody coming over from an iPhone maybe not you know might not find it uh, you know quite as jarring as jumping onto some of the other. Uh, um, you know, Android uh, variants, uh, but you picked it as a four hundred dollar phone. Uh, 
own. And um, yeah, I thought I thought you did pretty well there because that uh, I think it's three ninety nine as its uh, as its retail price in, in New Zealand. So you landed pretty much on the uh, uh, on on the dot. And uh, yeah, I mean, and as a as a device, you've got uh, you know dual cameras on the on the rear. Um, certainly, you know, nowhere near the sort of specifications of a, a fifteen hundred dollar phone. Um, but you know, it's not not something that a um, you know individual would sort of feel like stylistically. They've got something that's uh, dramatically different from uh, well, you know from from a top end phone. No, that, and that's right. I mean, the thing is, is is this sounds like a really bland happy, happy, snappy thing to say, right? But any premium mobile phone that you pick up today, if you were to, if you were to be given that by your company as a company phone, you really wouldn't be that disappointed, right? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with any of them. But even when you get down to these $400 phones, I mean, you know, you'd expect once you get into that, you know, third of the price of a, uh, of a premium phone mm. and below, you'd expect there to be you know, comprom- I mean, obviously, there's technical compromises inside the thing, but you'd expect to see something which is like a lot tinnier or um, plasticky or whatever, and it's just mm. not. It's just no, no. You've got that sort of glass back, and you know, stainless, um, you know, steel type uh, edging to it, and, exactly. And, but and so on. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I'm guessing here that they've put a lot of attention into making sure that it just looks like a. Um, a quality phone, you know. It's yeah, yep. Yeah. You got a decent sized battery in there. Um, you know, it's it's similar size to to the new, um, you know, Huawei uh, P20 Pro that uh, that that you know just well, I was about to about to launch uh, that I've I've been using a lot over the over the past uh, uh, yeah. week or two. You've got a you know a big six point two inch sort of you know a large somewhat edge to edge phone with a with a notch in it. They've got uh, you know a portrait um, you know portrait mode on there you know through their dual uh, dual camera uh, yeah the cameras are you know are, are, are quite different from a top end phone they've got not a, bad, a thirteen they? megapixel and a, and a two megapixel actually I don't know um, about this one but uh, the, yeah, the Nokia but, one the Nokia phones which are coming at about the sort of five six hundred dollar mm. mark their cameras are actually really quite good yeah yeah. Um, um, so yeah, pretty uh, pretty slick, um, Matthew. I know you can't uh, you can't see the phone from uh, from there over uh, over Skype at the moment. It's but, pink um, and metallic. <laughs> it looks like Paris Hilton's phone. Yeah. <laughs> Would you consider this uh, the, this type of um, you know device, or have you got a, a particular brand preference that you like to uh, um, stick with? No, definitely. I'm a, a bit of a cheapskate. I, I like to spend my money on uh, building droids rather than phones, so I tend to I tend to buy a, a slightly older model, um, still new but a slightly older model. So I'd definitely consider some, um, these sort of lower price point phones, mm. particularly mm. as you point out, the functionality is now well, almost identical to the top end. But that's an interest. That's an interesting point because I, I mean I haven't looked at this phone very closely, but typically a phone that costs say four hundred dollars. Is the equivalent of a premium model about three years ago, right? Yeah. Mm. And a phone that costs sort of seven, eight hundred dollars is typical of a premium model about a year and a half ago. So that that the catch up is quite, you know, you're only a year behind or two years behind the cutting edge. And frankly, you know, cutting edge phone is still a phone. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you, know, you still make calls, take photographs, do stuff. It's just that. 
um, some of the features aren't there. I mean, and some of the features which are in a premium phone, which are not on these phones, are things most people really don't need. Hmm. So, you know, it's the value is there. It's, it's, it's terrific value. Mm, mm. Um, so we've also had that the iPhone XR um, has has come out in the last few days. Um, and interestingly, when I was in Aust- Australia, had um, uh, you know, it was a lot of sort of social uh, events and things. And um, you know, I've been using the iPhone Ten. Uh, S Max uh, alongside the uh, Huawei uh, Mate 20 Pro over the you know I guess the the, the since I've had both of them um, uh, and I guess people know what to expect on the iPhone so you know definitely some people are you know keen to have a look at the new iPhone and you know uh, especially those that are uh, iPhone users um, but it was the Huawei where you know people were were uh, you know very very curious about this phone that's uh, uh, you know a, a little bit different from what others others are, are doing the you know the fingerprint reader under the glass and uh, you know the the triple bat uh, the triple cameras uh, which of course they had um, you know a, a, a three cameras on their uh, uh, P twenty Pro a, a like as razors, well but it's uh, a bit like those chuckaway razors which went from two to three to four to five <laughs> blades you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know it, it's just a device people are curious about because um, you know still there's a lot of people that have that have never ever considered uh, Huawei as a as a brand and you know they've they've now got to the point where they're they're um, uh, you know they're producing something that, in in most regards, is uh, uh, is a very you know very strong device. Um, you know, for me, probably the main um, uh, the main letdown is that the um, uh, their their sort of touch ID equivalent of the you know fingerprint reader being under the glass is still you know it's still not quite quite. Yeah. Uh, uh, there yet, and it, you know it d- does work, but you've got to push it a little bit harder, and uh, well, uh, and 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 so on. Bill, you've been using, uh, you've tried one of these yeah, out. Yeah. You had a good experience. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I mean, I've I've been saying this now for the last three or four years that my only real, the only real thing that separates out um, these high end androids from iPhones is the whole experience. I mean, there's, you still get a better whole all-round experience with an Apple phone. Um, and that's not going to go away. I mean, every, people will tell you that the hardware is equivalent, and that's probably true. I mean, uh, you know, t- t- uh, it more or less is. But the thing that bothers me is the... Um, I still struggle with the Android overlays on these high-end phones. Um, I much prefer the Nokia, which comes with a very flat Android software. Yeah, it's it's to, it's, it's very nice, isn't it? Uh, not, and, not uh, been, but but uh, you see, I, I have to explain to people when they ask me about this, and I talk about this. I have to explain. Well, you know, I look at a lot of phones, so I move from a Huawei to a Samsung to an Oppo, and they just don't do the same things in the same ways necessarily, and that bothers me. And it's, it kind of jars. And that's why I'm getting that jarring thing, which mm. if you went out and bought one of these phones, you probably wouldn't experience that jarring. Because you're using it all the, yeah, all, all, all the, all the time, time yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the conclusion of our show. So thank you very much, uh, Matthew, for joining us from uh, Wellington. And I'll look forward to uh, meeting you in person uh, on, yeah, on Sunday at uh, Make a Fair. 
Excellent. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for having me. Thank you, and uh, and Bill, thanks for joining the show again. It's it's been a while, so it's a it's a privilege to uh, you to have you back in the busy. in the studio. <laughs> yeah. You can tell when I'm busy. I don't do many podcasts, and I um, don't don't post much to my blog. Um, yeah. But you know, we're coming up to the the less busy time of year now. Yeah, um, um, Matthew, maybe um, you can let people know where they can have a look online if they want to see, um, you know, any uh, photos or video, what what have you, um, of your uh, of your BB8. Where can people have a look? Yeah, I've got uh, two two places I keep updated pretty regularly. I've got my Facebook page and my YouTube channel. They're both under the same name, which is uh, Wellington Iron Man. My first creation was an Iron Man suit, so that name just stuck. Fantastic. So will we be seeing the Iron Man suit uh, this weekend? Maybe I'll just bring his head. Okay. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I, I could just imagine say, can you imagine telling the police, oh, just bring his head? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing in it. <laughs> <laughs> and where do we track you down, Bill? Uh, BillBennett.co.nz and uh, BillBennettNZ on Twitter. Excellent, excellent. And uh, people can fi- find me, Paul Spain, uh, paulspain.com uh, and Paul Spain across the uh, various uh, forms of social media. So thank you, everybody, for uh, for listening in. We'll look forward to uh, catching up again next week. And uh, I'll hope to uh, be sharing uh, a little bit about um, visiting Maker Fair. And if there are any listeners that would uh, like to uh, like to get in touch, you're going to be around or you, you see me floating around there, uh, it's always great to, uh, to, to connect with listeners of the show so you know feel free to uh, uh, reach out through uh, through social media all right thanks everyone catch you next week see ya the new zealand tech podcast brought to you by gorilla technology proactive and strategic it